All right, guys, this episode of the Industrial Marketing Show is brought to you by Tom Paul's amazing company, Pam Sale Enablement. Look, I'm an industrial marketer, just like you probably listen to the show. I remember getting this question all the time from my sales team. They would call me and they would go, hey, Matt, do we have this or this or this or this or this available? This catalog, this drawing, this PowerPoint presentation? Do you have a video of it doing this? And the answer was always, yeah, it's on our YouTube channel or it's in our HubSpot. Or yeah, it's on our website. If you go to this page, this page, or this page. And the problem was that all of my sales enablement content was all in different places for my sales team to access, and they had no idea how to get to it. So what did they resort to? Well, instead, what they would do is they would put it all on their hard drive, or they would try to organize an external hard drive, or they would pray that they had internet access and they access our FTP site. All of that basically made it very, very inefficient. Tom Paul and the folks at BAM have solved this problem. They have created an amazing software and mobile app that makes it easy for marketers to publish new content across a network for your remote sales team and distributors. Can't forget about distributors to access it. Look, this has calculators, analytics, push notifications, and more importantly, the most important thing I can not stress enough to you, they have an offline mode. Offline, you can access stuff without an internet connection. You can download it natively to your device and then show it. That's an amazing feature because when you have to sell stuff in North Dakota, you don't always have internet connection. So please, if you need sales enablement because your team can't access content, can't access collateral, can't show it to customers or potential customers in real time, check out BAM Sales Enablement. Check out Tom Paul's company. It is amazing. It is super cool. I've seen a demo of it. I was super impressed. I've shared friends of mine. They're super impressed. You should check it out if you need sales enablement help. It's not panacea, but it's going to help your sales team get the collateral you want them to get when they need it. So if you need more information about this, first off, we interviewed a customer of Tom, Dan Friedman from Eagle Crusher, episode 52 of the show. Check it out. Or my recommendation is to just go to bamsales.io and just book a demo with Tom. He will walk you through it in a very easy, low-pressure manner, and you can decide if it's right for you, okay? So BAM Sales, sales enablement for industrial companies, bamsales.io. Go now, okay? Let's get to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Industrial Marketing Show, the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Shinoa. And I'm MJ Peters. And we just went six minutes without recording, so we just figured let's press the button and just start. So uh, on the recording, I have, or on the pod, I have John Weiler, who's a SDR manager for Path Robotics. Gotta be one of the hottest industrial companies out there just for what you guys are doing, not only in industrial and manufacturing, but also, frankly, in the tech space. And so just super jazzed to have John on to talk about something that's not marketing related, well, maybe a little marketing related, but but more so we're getting around like SDRs and SDRing for a uh, manufacturing company. So let me give John a brief intro and then he can tell a little bit of his backstory. So John is a sales development leader who has a strong passion for building and growing sales teams, super passionate about recruiting, developing, retaining sales talent for top of funnel. And he likes to ask questions, have fun and Talk about the future, and I'm sure Path's got a lot of stuff going on in the future. So, John, man, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, Matt and uh, MJ. And I, I've listened to a few of the episodes here and come across other people in the industry. And I, I love kind of learning from other other people in the industry. And uh, 
you know, talk, talking about the future, I put that in there because that's really what brought me to Path Robotics. Nice. Um, I didn't have industrial manufacturing background, and I was a little like, am I going to be good at this early on? But one of the things that Path's big on is uh, investing in your professional growth. And, you know, if, if you're a certain type of person, which we can talk about, then um, they're, they're willing to help you learn all those other areas of manufacturing industrial automation so right on so i might let me just start with that since you don't have manufacturing experience for you got into the role tell me a little bit how you got to path robotics in your current role with your in your current situation yeah so uh you know i was i was part of one thing i've realized so i haven't worked for like corporate america if you will the largest companies i've been a part of have less than 500 people and they're still vc backed that's kind of my bread and butter. Uh, so started a business right out of college at Ohio State, uh, where I, I ran that for about three, three and a half years, raised an initial investment round, learned a whole bunch of lessons, didn't come out with some crazy exit where I'm on a boat in Greece, <laughs> like some people, but it's been a catalyst for everything I've done from then. And I didn't realize that at the time, but it really taught me how to sell because I didn't hire a sales team. I hired programmers, developers, and, and other people, legal, finance. Um, but my, my co-founder and I were selling the vision. So that kind of furloughed into another company. I was the fourth employee there. We grew it to 35 people. That was over four years. Um, and then that brought me to FUDA, which was the company before PATH, uh, where I took on more of a leadership role in sales and operations and launched a market here in, in Columbus, Ohio. We were doing food at work um, for recruiting talent at some of these fast-growing tech companies. They like to give out cultural perks. Free food was one of those. So we would set up subsidized food programs. Um, you could have restaurants, your favorite local restaurants come in and serve you Monday through Friday. And here comes COVID. Uh, and it just totally stopped the world, I think, going to work. Americans going to work. And over the course of you know 2020, we just watched our markets. We had 27 markets across the country, just one after another, get put on pause. So... I actually got laid off in October of 2020, had never been in a position like that in my life. <laughs> uh, one thing I probably left out that, that wasn't super relevant early on was when I started my company, I put school on hold. So I don't have a degree. Um, and so I had never thought about that. And my wife has two degrees. She's actually a math teacher. She has her master's, um, you know, so she, she and I've always told her, you know, I, I don't need my degrees. I can I can be the entrepreneur that I've I've always wanted to be. Well, here I am laid off now. <laughs> I'm in my 30s and I have no degree. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, what am what am I gonna do? Um, but it was actually a blessing. I got to do a big soul searching time, uh, figure out where my passions are. And what I landed on was I need to get into software as a service, hardware as a service. I, the more I studied business, the more I studied business models, the more I looked at what was going on in some different industries, I thought, this is the future. I mean, there, there is robots, automation, artificial intelligence, all the buzzwords, if you will. Uh, yes, they're buzzwords, but there is so much depth behind them. Um, and so I just started looking for startups that were in those areas. And I went from some, some bigger titles and bigger comp and said, I don't care how many steps back I'm going to take. I'm going to get in with one of these organizations that is future-proof. Um, that was kind of one of my takeaways from COVID. And I know nothing is future-proof, but when I, when I compare market penetration and I look at different opportunities across some of these startups, 
I don't think there's a bigger opportunity out there in the world that when it comes to automation in American manufacturing. And so I landed on Path Robotics and I, I started as a senior sales development representative there uh, doing outbound sales. And after about 90 days, they promoted me to an SDR manager. And that's where I've now been leading the team for the last six months. Nice. That's super cool. I, I, I love it when people have kind of like a, a winding road uh, in terms of their, in their story. And you tell the story very well, by the way. Um, yeah, super windy. <laughs> as we as we kind of get into the path robotics chapter, um, I I'd like to kind of start by just hearing a little bit about what it's like to do outbound sales to industrial companies. Because at least Matt, I don't know what your experience has been, but in my experience, like I've worked at several industrial companies that sell to other industrial companies, yep. and our business model was always distribution, product development, brand, and a little bit of marketing, like no outbound and almost no direct sales. No. So obviously there are some industrial companies that do direct sales, um, but a lot of them go through distribution and very few of them, I think, actually go outbound and try to create demand through outbound selling. No, a lot of it's through rep. And then the only other one that's missing from that equation, which you're totally right, is is, uh, is integration. Like the like the integrators who the to manufacturers will go to to put all those pieces together, which I think is part of your hardware as a service package, John, in some way, shape, or form. But uh, but yeah, yeah. So to, one thing's interesting. Uh, on top of never being at a SaaS based organization, I also in my previous sales roles, a lot of there was a lot of warm leads and lead generation. And some of these companies were more built out where they had marketing teams, marketing departments. Today at PATH, we have one person who is a marketing operations person full time. Uh, when I joined, we had no marketing department at all. Um, so everything was outbound. And I was scratching my head thinking like, how are we finding these people and getting customers? And so if you look at what PATH does today, it's automation and welding, and specifically it's finish welding. So it's, it's high mix, low volume manufacturing, which is an area where robotics, traditional robotics just hasn't been able to really uh, be a catalyst for change in there for, for a new a variety of reasons. But at a high level, uh, there's a lot of programming for robots. Yep. There's a lot of manual programming or offline programming. Um, PATH software takes care of all of that. So we literally scan your parts, identify the seams, and then weld in real time. Um, and so we're, we're able to penetrate those high mix, low volume manufacturers. So how do we, how do we find who might need that? Well, besides all the, the industry trends that are out there that you can see where there's like a huge skilled labor shortage and, and the gaps growing, um, you know, there, when we started, we were looking on job boards and we were seeing what companies are hiring human welders. And that's how we were looking. So, so we started off saying to ourselves, if they're hiring welders, then, they need more human welders. And if they need more human welders, they probably can't keep up with their demand. Um, and so that was kind of the starting point. And then it just it just snowballed off of there. Like now we have customers in different industries and we have a sweet spot of criteria where we know, you know, we can jump on a website, we can jump on LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And even if they're not actively hiring welders online through Indeed or you know, ZipRecruiter or one of those job boards that you can search, you can start a conversation and be like, do you need more welders? And majority of the time they're going to be like, yeah, <laughs> we do. Um, 
so that's that's one of the been been one of the most successful things with outbound uh but i will say outbound to engineers it has been a little bit different from the small dips that i had in the past with outbound uh sales when <laughs> jeremy donovan at sales off posted something on linkedin about this graph of different icps that are most likely to reply and engage from cold emails and cold calls. I think engineers were like the last, <laughs> they were like the very bottom of this chart. And I like screenshotted it to my team to be like, I mean, they should be proud because we get great penetration. We get great open rates, great reply rates. But uh, it was just kind of funny because my dad's an engineer, my dad's a civil engineer. And I'm like, he he hangs up on people on the phone. And that's, that's what I grew up listening to. He's just not, he's not there to talk to salespeople as an engineer. Yeah, I think that's I think that's super interesting. Um, I wanna I wanna dive a little bit into how you guys are organized at Path and your, and the SDR function. Are you guys, do you do prospecting? Uh, is it full cycle? Do you hand it off? Tell me a little bit about how your SDR function operates uh, within Path. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty interesting, but it's also what I've seen some SaaS based organizations doing. Um, we handle the top of the funnel. So everything that has to do with filling the funnel is an SDR's job. So prospecting and qualifying, uh, having those meaningful conversations and asking curious questions uh, and seeing if it makes sense for us to continue that conversation or, or part ways as friends. And so really what the SDRs are doing at PATH is, is they're researching different industries. They're asking questions that we know are, are similar to people that we've been able to partner with in the past. And then if they answer those questions, then we can go ahead and schedule a, a Zoom call, a Zoom demo now because of, of COVID. That's, that's how it's been doing is we start with a virtual conversation um, and that's with an account executive. So that's where it gets handed off to an account executive. An account executive then interfaces with application engineers at PATH. And the application engineers are reviewing the parts and we're essentially figuring out, can we weld it? Can we reach it? Can we see it? And then how fast can we do all this? Um, and then that drives back into setting them up for onboarding success with Path Robotics and, and us being their automation partner. Tell me uh, about, about the Zoom demo. I want, I want to circle back to that. Is the Zoom demo like sort of uh, like an exercise of how the robot and the program works or is it more like a, it's more like a discovery call almost? It's definitely more like a discovery call. Um, we try and focus, we're big on like, let's not talk about features and let's talk about more what's relevant to them. So in the beginning, we have to figure that out, uh, which is just a lot of listening and asking questions. That's why I think, you know, if we circle back to why, why you know, we've seen so much success here, not a lot of the people on the SDR team specifically have engineering backgrounds. They come from, they're passionate about sales like me. And the reason why I say that is because they have like a beginner's mindset. So they don't come in with all this robotics experience and automation. And so we're genuinely asking questions because we're curious about their business and we're not sure if it's a fit. And that comes across on the phone calls and in the emails. And I think it opens people up. Um, and, and I think engineers, even though they're not necessarily uh, in love with the cold call, if you say some of the right things that pique their interest, they are in a lot of pain across U.S. manufacturing and globally. So there's a lot of pain there. And if you can ask questions that lead them to figure out uh, how, we can, how we can have a better tomorrow, they are willing to take some time to do that. And then in that Zoom call, it's really just like, what's going on in your welding operations today? 
And what have you tried to do in the past to fix it? Did it work? You know, a lot of people will come to us and be like, yeah, robots don't work for me. And my, my parts are, are too, you know, it's just not going to work. We've looked at it in the past and we're like, okay, well, you know, this is, that's when we'll get into features. That's when we'll say, uh, who did you look at? And this is how we're different. And let's look at parts and we can go from there. Um, so, but it, it's very much a discovery based conversation. So there's two things I want to circle back to, to just to comment on. I don't have a question here. One is uh, I've, I almost forgot to talk about the job board thing that you guys did to prospect, which is I thought was just super, super clever um, because first off, you get to frame every discussion as solving a labor problem for them more so than like solving what a lot of well. And I, I came from welding. I worked I worked for Abacor Benzel. I mean, I, you guys use our, yeah. our torches on your robots. I know this for a fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and they, they, we always would come from the angle of productivity. It's always productivity. It's always uptime. It was always, you know, reduced cycle time. You guys come from a labor shortage thing, which is a much more immediate pain for a lot of these manufacturers that they want to solve. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting is, and this is a roadblock. I think a lot of people have when it comes to SDRs and industrial, because when we talked about it at Benzel, this came up. Well, we don't know. They don't have the engineering or the welding experience to like ask good questions. And you're sitting there saying right now, that doesn't even matter because what matters more is having a genuine curiosity about solving their business problem and how you guys can do that potentially. Matt, down the road. When, when we first connected and you said Abacor Benzel Weldhead, I walked over to the application engineers. I'd been there for almost three months and I said, I don't know what he's talking about. And I was prospecting at that time. I, my point in sharing that is that you don't, I, I actually prefer the people at the top of the funnel not to get too technical or to have, I, I want everyone on my team to grow and learn at the, at the pace that they feel suited for. But what I've seen is that beginner's mindset, when you, when you genuinely don't know, you're in a much better position to authentically tell someone on the other end of the phone or email, hey, listen, I'm probably not the best person to be talking about that. I honestly don't know, but I can help point you in the right direction take them back to the qualifying questions that I know I need to ask that deliver them the most value and getting them into that conversation in the first place. And then they can get their, their questions answered. But when you start to go down technical stuff in the SDR role, what I've seen is you can lose, you, you might answer a question unbeknownst to you that takes all the urgency out of the room, or you might, they might be disqualifying you by asking a question. Can it do this? Can it do that? And the reality is, is that no one on the sales team has, enough engineering resources or time to be able to to really say yes or no at a part analysis level like can we do it um, and that's what they're trying to drill into and so I, I actually like if they don't get too technical there's also like when when you spend more time here at path you will eventually see enough demos and watch enough recordings and and ha be in enough conversations where you will learn that technical ability and something that we talk about is just because you know the answer to the question doesn't mean it's the right time to answer it. Mm -hmm. It might be way more impactful to let the account executive or someone else bring that conversation to light during a discovery conversation. So, I uh, I, I think that's a nice segue. Uh, and and when you introduced yourself and we started talking about your background at the beginning of the call, you mentioned specifically recruiting is one of your areas that you're super passionate about. And you've talked multiple times about this beginner's mindset. I'm curious what else you look for in, in recruiting. How do you, how do you choose, uh, you know, the talent for your team? Yeah. So I think anyone that's worked at a startup is, is probably, it would be foolish to say you're not going to, you're spending a tremendous amount of time with these people. 
this is not the pace at which people come to path robotics. You have to want more personally, professionally, you have to, this is not nine to five work. This is, you know, when people are like, how'd you get to where your spot is? I'm like nights and weekends. That's what I did. I don't know what to do. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I just love, I loved what I, I found something that I loved and I'm super passionate about it. And my biggest thing is like trying to balance time for other things outside of what I'm trying to learn at path. And so one thing I look at is like, art is the passion there, like the things that I can't coach you on. So I'm not worried about their background or their resume as much as, am I going to enjoy spending time with you? Do you fit with the rest of the people on their team? And will you help elevate them? Or, you know, in the reverse of that is, do I think you're different than everyone else on the team? And that different perspective can actually elevate the rest of the room and can bring a lot of people into the room. Um, I, we're always hiring. So I was number 52 at PATH. We're above 100 today, and I've been there for seven months, and we're nowhere near where we need. We could double every department, um, and that's the plan. So I have to always be recruiting. I have to always be looking for talent. And I also think at the top of the funnel, uh, it's not it's, – it's a point of entry for the, for the team people that want to come in here and learn sales. Um, it's not something where someone says, I dream of being a career long SDR, although there are some people on the team that love what they're doing. And, and so it's cool to see that. Um, but you have to always be recruiting in my position because eventually, you know, some of your top performers are going to grow into other roles. Um, and the other, you know, just to make sure I'm answering the question, coachability is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a process and a playbook, but I would say that and adaptability. So like, are you comfortable with things changing? Because also, I think if anyone's been at uh, an industrial tech-based startup that's focused on changing manufacturing, and we're using artificial intelligence, you know, we have products that we're very much selling a vision at times and trying to talk to people about what it's going to be like in the future. And and you have to you have to be able to roll with those punches and roll with changes. Our engineering team is developing things at such a pace that like a feature might not be available, you know, a feature change might happen in 60 days, 90 days. Is that going to throw you off your entire game or are you going to be able to adapt to that? Um, I think a good summary is it is like, we want people who aren't going to say, um, well, that's going to stop me from doing it. We, we want the person who has the mindset that's like, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll find a way to, I'll find a way to still get it done. Even with all these changes and all these things that are out of my control, I'm still going to, I'm still going to find a way. Um, so those are the big things I think that I look at passions, passions up there. It's, you know, I, I ask people like, what's something that you care a lot about? I'm, I'm just looking for, I don't care what it is. I'm just looking to see like, what is something that you care a lot about? Because I need people that care a lot about something. Mm -hmm. If you don't care about anything, I, I can't, you know, it, it's going to be harder for, it's not like you're going to come to path and just all of a sudden care tremendously about your job. But if there's something else there that we can talk about, I can kind of understand why you care about it. What what motivates you? That's a big thing that we talk about. So I know there's the questions like three-year, five-year goals, but I think there's also a lot of context behind those. Like, what do you really, what, what kind of legacy do you want to build in life? Like, where do you want to go? And the only other thing I'll add is this is just a, a sell to anyone looking to get into sales that doesn't have that background. Because I work with a lot of people that are project engineers or shift managers, and they're like, you know, I don't know if I'd be good at sales. I think spending a year in any sales position teaches you how to communicate with people, 
how to prioritize your time, how to effectively manage your time, how to read a room. We talk about reading the room all the time. I mean, the reason why I love it so much is because I don't think of this as like sales as a job. This is like my life is I'm communicating with people all the time, (laughs) asking questions. I think think you got a question you're going to jump into, but I know you're doing sales now, MJ, and so am I, and I kind of agree with that sentiment, like in our respective roles, uh, definitely helps a lot. I love sales, actually. I, I, it's like if you're selling the right product, you really right. are helping people, you know? Yeah. 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 So I also like, you know, I think I, th- this stat, right? In global manufacturing, there's 400 million people around the world um, in global manufacturing. And so when we look at the U.S., I think less than 1% of the world lives the way that we do. So if you take the math, there, you'd have to get 4 billion people into global manufacturing to produce the amount of goods and services to be able to make the rest of the world just have just have a 10% increase in their lifestyles, to be able to be 10% better. And so we talk about like it, what we're doing is life-changing. There's not going to be 4 billion people that get into manufacturing. It's never going to no. happen. So how do you create a bre- brighter future for next generations? It's automation, it's robotics, it's artificial intelligence. So be a part of that change. And I, and I do, I mean, that's the passion that I'm talking about. I want people to, to, to resonate with that. I've got two more questions for you. Actually, they're, they're both, um, I'm not going to call them selfish because I'm asking them with our audience in mind, which is marketers. Um, So I want to, I want to start with, um, you mentioned earlier that path robotics doesn't have a big marketing team. You got one guy in marketing ops. Um, And so I think what's going on is not that you have no marketing. It's just that a lot of your sales team are probably doubling as uh, marketers in some some sense or fashion, especially when it comes to messaging, I think. Uh, And you're on the phone with prospects all the time. So I'd be curious because I think it will help the people who listen to this podcast. How do you approach changing your messaging and like how has your messaging changed and why do you make those changes the more you call people? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're, you are right. Um, we're not. So I've seen a lot of uh, content around SDRs and what they're doing. And, you know, one of the things we're testing this summer is some, some interns in the sales team uh, that are picking apart different parts of what the SDR stack is, if you will, of what, our, what, what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, and seeing if, you know, if we have someone who's like a lead development representative, where all they're doing is researching and prospecting and grabbing contact info and then putting those people into lists so the SDRs can focus on meaningful conversations. And then we're looking at copywriting, like, you know, messaging and sequences and cold call scripts. Um, So there's definitely a lot of marketing stuff happening there. Uh, And we're building out that department. So we're looking for a VP of marketing. So if if you know anyone, send them our way. Um, we're, We're trying to build that out. But it is something like, it's just listening. So, you know, one of the things that we do when we bring an SDR in is everything at PATH is recorded on the sales team, uh, or at least a lot of it is. All the disco calls, the um, application assessment calls, the regroups, if you will, um, the, the MSA conversations where we're talking about, you know, very technical things. And we're saying like in the beginning, hey, we want you to listen to 30 to 40 hours worth of content and you need to pull apart maybe one or two things where you listen from the very first phone call, a cold call, all the way to them becoming a partner at PATH. Reason being is because 
when you listen to those things, you can start to hear words and phrases and pain points that come out over and over again uh, that, that are irregardless of the industry that you're solving the problem for. And those are big macro level trends. But then you also, as you get further down the funnel, you start to hear micro level things that are happening specifically to that industry. And if you take a sentence, like we had an SDR that took uh, hours of manual weld time specific to a certain part, and they started plugging that into their cold email one and the response rate and the meeting set rate <laughs> went through, like it just went through the roof because it built a lot of credibility and trust right off the bat um, and started, you know, it showed that prospect, hey, you know, this person is not just sending me an email where they haven't done any research. They've, they've obviously seen something here. Um, and, and the more you go down a certain vertical, the more skilled you become in that. And so the more things you can plug into the messaging uh, that can create an opportunity for them to want to respond and and set up a meeting with you. I don't know if that that answer. I I love that last story oh, yeah. about how, how far the email response rate went up when you incorporated something that you had been learning from those calls. And I just want to call that out for anyone who's listening. You you can do that as a marketer too, whether it's listening to recorded calls or hopping on the calls live with your sales manager or. Having your own calls yourself, right? And spot those trends and then incorporate it into your marketing messaging and work with your sales team. And this is really the role of a product marketing manager. Work with your sales team to to nail down that messaging and get better decks and um, incorporate it into the sales process. So you're doing it on the fly as a as a as SDR manager with your team. Uh, but marketers can definitely contribute in that process in bigger organizations or organizations with, with more marketing people on the team. Yeah, we're, we're doing that. And then we're AB testing everything. So we have all these sequences set up. Um, we have all these different subject lines. We have different email breakdowns. We have different touch points. Um, some of them work, many of them don't, but we, we try and grab all of that data. And then we meet on a weekly basis and say, what did we learn? What didn't we learn? And one of the cool things about PATH and something that we talk about often is we have the most advanced technology and product in the world, so we need to be the most advanced sales team in the world. It would, it would, it wouldn't be, we wouldn't be doing our engineering department next door and all the work that they put into the product. We wouldn't be giving them a real good shot if we weren't holding ourselves to that same standard as a sales and marketing team, right? So, I mean, why? That's why you know something that comes to mind is like Vidyard. That's something that we're going to be testing out. It's like nice. maybe you know, video prospecting it. Do I, do I know if manufacturers on the plant floor will open up and watch a video of me on their website going through and saying, this is why I want to talk to you, schedule a meeting. And this part stood out to me and I see you're hiring welders. I don't know, but I, I think I've got to try it. You know, I think you do. Uh, this actually segues perfectly into my next question um, because we were talking about this before the recording started and it just had a light bulb moment for me. You know, a lot of industrial companies do not have an inside sales team. Um, they have outside sales reps. They have internal marketing who basically serve a lot of sales enablement functions. You have an inside sales team and you talked about having the most technologically advanced or the most advanced or modern, you know, sales approach. So tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about your guys tech stack and how you position your SDR team for success. Yeah. So one, one of the, one of the biggest things, like when we talk about the workflow, the prospecting, the researching and the qualifying uh, the more time you can spend on that, and, it, and you can't be in 
paralysis mode where you're spending 30 minutes on a website. But, you know, I would say there's a balance there. If, if you can spend, the, the better you get at it, the less time you have to spend per website and building lists. But if you spend the right time researching and prospecting, we use like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll honestly, we'll start with Googling search terms like industrial equipment manufacturers, forestry equipment manufacturers, paving equipment manufacturers. It'll pull up so much different links. Um, Thomas Net is something that we've used. We use different databases. We use different trade show things that we've been a part of or we've got access to. And then we really use like LinkedIn and LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, we build a, a whole bunch of lists in LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And there's a lot smarter people out there that can talk about all the things you can do in that platform. But I think it's one of the most underutilized platforms across sales teams, because if you build lists and you find contacts with your current customers and they, it just, it's just that network effect. Like there's so many warm intros there that are just waiting to be tapped on. And then if you scroll down, you can find all the similar companies right on that mm -hmm. same page. And it's just like, you can, this just keeps going. And so, you know, we, we use those for prospecting and researching, and then we'll use zoom info to grab their contact info. And we actually had a guy, you know, this doesn't happen all the time, but we emailed him and he goes, how'd you get my contact info? And we're always going to say, you got to be honest, come right up with it. You know, when someone is communicating with that and we said, Hey, we actually use zoom info. We found it to be really helpful. If your sales team ever needs help finding contact information, we highly recommend it. it could put you in touch with our account manager and go right back into our pitch and just acknowledge it and move on. And, and that person's actually in our sales funnel now, but it, that's what we use to grab contact info. Um, and then we transitioned from Salesforce to HubSpot, which is probably a mind blowing thing. But uh, we did that because the way that we were using Salesforce wasn't, it was an extremely manually intensive way. And so there was a lot of bottlenecks around tasks and manual touch points. And we needed sequencing, we needed a lot of automation within our own sales process. So our, our director of sales operations uh, researched a few different solutions. And for us at PATH, we chose HubSpot. And so that's what we use as a CRM. Then we also have other tools like Google Drive, Slack. Um, but that's primary for, for the SDR role. All of our calls, our emails and everything are going to run through HubSpot. And we just connect it to Gmail. Um, so those are the biggest tools, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, Zoom Info, and HubSpot. All right. I'm Pretty like simple. constantly... I'm like constantly singing the the HubSpot praises for manufacturing companies because I do feel like it has all the tools that you need and none of the tools that you don't. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's definitely, so, you know, we have people that have experience with outreach and we have obviously Salesforce is the giant in the room. And what's funny is like when we, when I first joined, I had to learn Salesforce because I didn't come from organizations that did it. And I remember thinking to myself though, I've worked at organizations with a larger sales force, sales team than Path had at the time and still has today. And they were, and they said Salesforce was too enterprise for them, but we were using it. So I think it was just one of those things where, you know, maybe it wasn't set up in the right way from the beginning, but it was causing a lot of pain uh, amongst a small team. And so HubSpot, you're right. It's not, you know, there's definitely things where we might miss out on a few feature sets, but it's very easy to use. It's very intuitive interface. Um, and then Zoom, you know, we use Zoom, the video recording platform or the video conferencing platform. We use that all the time. Nice.
so I want to wrap up with one final question. And, and you were talking about how you use Sales Navigator specifically, but uh, in, in the past couple of weeks, I have noticed you in particular have been using just LinkedIn.com, LinkedIn Organic to to post things about manufacturing, about the future of manufacturing, about automation and about Path's mission. And I'm curious what motivated you to start doing that and what kind of results you're seeing from that effort. Yeah, so I'll, I'll preface by saying I love, absolutely love LinkedIn. I've been using it since like 2012, um, you know, way before Path. So something that I've, I've, I've enjoyed LinkedIn a lot um, out of social media networks. Like I, I don't mind looking at Instagram and stuff. I just don't use anything else to be honest with you. Um, and I'm at a point where I really enjoy engaging with other people's content. And so my thought process was there's so much, there's so many misconceptions about manufacturing and the future of manufacturing. I.e., one of the biggest ones that we all know is robots are here to, to take our jobs when the truth is, is manufacturers can't fill these jobs. They, right. There's not enough people. They're not finding people like we need to change that narrative in, in order to get to a better spot. And then it's also like just learning about U.S. manufacturing versus global manufacturing. And so I started thinking to myself, like there's not I, I see other companies doing this, but there's not a whole bunch of people uh, that are talking about the impacts other than some of these industry veterans. And we need to get more people talking about it so more people can become educated and more people can take action with that education. And so the response is, I, I wasn't doing it from a sales standpoint, but what I will say is if you break down all the sales and marketing benefits that come from it, they're immense. Like it forces me to read articles. It forces me to search for articles. Now Google is sending me a bunch of articles on a regular basis. So I'm getting a bunch of content inbound. I'm learning about a bunch of trends that are happening. And then companies, specific companies are talked about in these articles. And so I can, I can prospect into them. Uh, and then, you know, I'm actually starting to now see some meetings set just from LinkedIn where they're just saying, Hey, we're, we're seeing what you're doing. And there's, there's other reasons why. So the press with Path Robotics and the recent Series B closing, I think when they see that and they land on Path and then they start looking at other people's posts, they can then start to see me as a more active person and they'll reach out to me because they probably think I'm going to respond, um, which I do. And so I, I, I've, I've looked at those things, but you know, you can educate yourself and then you can get a bunch of inbound content because Google sees that you keep searching for... <laughs> articles in a certain industry. So you learn, you learn. And then when I'm on the phone, there's like a genuine sense of conviction because I believe truly in what I'm doing and saying and the value that we provide. But there's like a million different stories just from reading all these different articles. You know, a baby boomer retires every eight seconds. I haven't, I haven't, you know, I read that article over the weekend. It's mind blowing to me. Like if the baby boomers are retiring at every eight seconds, we have to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. So I, I just... I love LinkedIn. So a couple of things I want to I want to wrap on because I love that answer for so many reasons. One, I've, John, I've seen your content on LinkedIn, um, and I, I juxtaposed it a lot with someone else we've had on the show, Jacob Hall. And you both really say a, a lot of the same things, but your content strategy is a little different. You do a lot of curating, talking about the job industry shortage, and and Jake Hall does a lot of the featuring what automation can do in the factory. I, I really think you guys. Your guys' content is very complimentary. I really, I really kind of, I thought I, you were answering that I, question. I like Jake Hall a lot. There's a, he's on the list of people that I, I follow. Yeah. 
the other the other point I, I wanted to make was that you know you're someone who works in a sales role in your organization, and again, you're just crushing it on LinkedIn Organic, where you know a lot of a lot of sales guys and in industrial don't think that that can happen. And your case in point and proof in the pudding that that's absolutely not the case. So uh, I just listening to your answers, I just you know as someone who's worked specifically in the welding industry for a long time, I resonate a lot with what you say. Um, I'm a big fan of Path and watching what you guys do and. Uh, just uh yeah, just appreciate you coming on the show. That was that was a fantastic interview. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate. I I thank you guys for having me on there. And I know early on, I think you had someone that was doing videos on YouTube, and they created an entire personality. Chris Bolivin, um, yeah. And, 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 and that kind of stuff inspires me. I come from an athletic background, so I'm competitive. I saw some of the same things that you were saying there. With man, there's not a lot of people doing this in my industry. If you get into SaaS or like a gong, if you will, everyone's talking about sales with gong or it's just like a, you could read gong posts all day long, but yes, you, you don't read, there's not a lot of stuff about us manufacturing or global manufacturing and how serious of a, of an issue it is. So, yeah. And they're, and they're more active on LinkedIn than I think people give credit for. I mean, I see a lot of people in the industrial space active on LinkedIn, not just people who work in sales or marketing, but plenty of people in product and engineering who, you know, get, who are on there looking for stuff. So, I do find yeah. it interesting. Uh, John Weiler, SDR manager, Path Robotics. John, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. That was a that was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Matt and MJ. I had a lot of fun as well and uh, appreciate being on the show. For sure. Uh, you can catch the Industrial Marketing Show on all of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please subscribe to the Industrial Marketing Show. Please leave us a five-star review. Please leave us a written review. Please find John Weiler, by the way, on LinkedIn. I didn't even give John a chance to you know, say I didn't get in touch with you. I assume LinkedIn's the best place, John, right? Yeah, that's good. All right. All right. Find, find John Weiler on LinkedIn. Connect with this guy. Follow this man. Follow Path Robotics. These guys are the future in manufacturing for high-mix, low-volume welding which is definitely a huge part of um, the, the welding space and general fab and, and things like that. All right, guys, let's wrap it. For that, I'm Matt. And I'm MJ. And this is the Industrial Marketing Show. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.